Welcome to What's the Law Say, a presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia. I'm Clint Adams, Legal Director here at Legal Aid of West Virginia. And in this episode, we will be discussing foreclosure and consumer law with Sarah Brown from Mountain State Justice. As good lawyers, we always start with a disclaimer. Legal Aid of West Virginia is a nonprofit law firm. We provide legal services and advocacy to vulnerable West Virginians. This podcast is presented to bring information that is current and relevant. All of the information is current at the time the podcast is published. Our guest attorneys are licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia, and this relates only to the law in the state of West Virginia, is provided for informational purposes. While our hosts and our guests are attorneys, this information is legal information. It would not take the place of an attorney-client relationship. You should speak with an attorney about your specific situation. As noted, I'm Clint Adams, and I have the great honor of being joined by Sarah Brown. Sarah, welcome to the uh, broadcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Now, Sarah, you joined us recently to discuss consumer law. In this edition, we will focus primarily on foreclosure law. So let's jump right into it. We've talked about consumer uh, law. We've talked about credit cards. We've talked about cars, furniture, these other things that in the law we call secured debt. Let's talk about one of the biggest secured debts that many people have, though, which is a, a debt that's against their home or real estate that they own in the form of a mortgage. Are those laws the same laws as it comes to enforcing debt, or are there different laws for uh, mortgage work? Um, There are some laws specific to mortgages. So there are laws that govern the the servicing of mortgage loans, um, but many of the same laws will also apply. The way those debts are collected can also be the same, or maybe it'll be in a different part of the law because it's a mortgage, but you can still have many of the same protections we've talked about, uh, along with some additional protections. Because like you mentioned, that home, the four walls, the having a place to lay your head and, and have your family come home to is just one of the most critical rights we can protect for people. So when we talk about that, then your mortgage company can't call and harass you and say, hey, don't pay me. So so that would certainly be one of the laws that would be there. You can still tell your mortgage company, don't call me or don't call me at these hours. All of those rights still apply, but then there's an even higher bar when it comes to foreclosure law. Um, what are some of the things that make that bar higher for a bank? Yeah, so there are two different sorts of processes, I'll say. One is what the banks call loss mitigation. And so it really is a term that comes from the bank's perspective. If if they're going to stand to uh, lose out on this loan, how can they mitigate that loss by getting you to actually pay more? But it's what most commonly looks like a loan modification for a borrower. So if you have fallen behind on your mortgage payment, most mortgage companies and banks have options to help you get back on track. And so There are laws that govern that process depending on the type of mortgage loan you have and whether it's guaranteed by the federal government. It might be a requirement that you're offered certain things. If it's a a credit union or a smaller mortgage servicer, those might not be guarantees in the law, but most banks and, and servicers still do have programs available to help. So there are rights that govern that sort of assistance process. And they do have to fully and fairly consider you for any options once you have applied or indicated your interest. So the big takeaway, I think, for homeowners here is to engage with your mortgage company. Maybe you're even getting phone calls from kind of the collections part of the mortgage company who just says, when are you going to pay? When are you going to pay? Well, there's a whole other department at the mortgage company whose job it is to help you, but you might have to ask for it. So I would I would really recommend that folks go ahead and say, you know, I've fallen a month behind. I lost my job for COVID and I'm still struggling 
struggling to get back on my feet or I've had a separate, you know, work injury and my, my comp or my unemployment hasn't started or, you know, people have all sorts of different hardships and, and any type of financial hardship can trigger with the mortgage company an obligation to consider you for assistance. But you do have usually some obligation to, to report that to the mortgage company and then provide them various um, information about your financial circumstance so that you can be considered for whatever type of either repayment plan, forbearance, or loan modification. Um, and a forbearance means you actually don't have to make payments for a certain period of time. It doesn't mean that you don't ever owe the money, but you don't right now. We all agree that you don't have to make payments right now and nothing's going to happen. We're not going to start foreclosure. We're not going to report it to the credit reporting agencies. We're not going to make these harassing type of phone calls to you. You know, we all just agree, pause. Some mortgage companies offer an unemployment forbearance. So you lost your job. Let's give you six months to get back on your feet. Maybe you don't even need the full six months. Maybe you end up needing more and you could end up with a repayment plan. So let's say you're out of work for a period. You go back to work and your income is sufficient that you have enough to make your regular payment and something to catch up what you missed. Best case scenario, right? You end up with a better job or additional income, or you were able to get those unemployment benefits. Some folks, you might just, you miss six months of income, and so you're not going to be able to go back, resume your regular payment, and catch up what you missed. And so a loan modification actually takes the payments you missed and might might forgive them, might add them onto your balance and recalculate your payment, might go to the end of the loan. You know, there's different ways it can look, but at the end of a modification, you'll be considered back on track. You know, you'll start fresh with a new payment amount, sometimes at a lower interest rate. So that can help people too. So that's something I was going to ask you about. Interest rates were lower some time ago. They're higher now. Um, let's say I had a favorable interest rate. Let's say I bought the house, you know, two or three years ago when the interest rates were really, really low. Now the interest rates are a little bit higher. Which of those options is going to change my interest rate and how? what's the chances that it's going to go up? The loan modification could change your interest rate and it might be an increase. So we have seen that for folks recently. And it, it may mean that, that you would prefer a type of loan modification that just takes all the payments you missed and puts it at the end of the loan. So I'll keep paying for six or eight months after the loan matured, but I don't wanna actually change my interest rate or my monthly payment. So it depends on what type of loan you have, what options are available to you, but we have seen with rising interest rates that some modifications, it's favorable in the sense that it takes away the $13,000 you're behind, um, but it is uh, ultimately going to lead to a payment that was higher than the one you had 12 months ago before your hardship started. So uh, we are we are seeing that as a result of rising interest rates. Let's say I fall behind and and so, so then the bank decides their collection agency calls me. They say we're going to begin the foreclosure procedure and I get a call from Rich Daddy Warbanks. He, he lives next door and he says, you know what, I'm going to give you the money to get your mortgage current. And I is the mortgage company required then to to take my payment and and stop the foreclosure procedures? Yes. So you have the right under almost every mortgage loan document to do exactly that, which is called reinstate. You're going to totally just catch back up. You know, you had the lottery, the rich neighbor. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that at the time we're recording this, West Virginia does have a program called the Homeowner Assistance Fund, which is run through the West Virginia Housing Development Fund. For anybody who had a COVID-related hardship, and is below a certain income level, this program will provide up to $20,000 to reinstate your mortgage. So that can be your, your rich neighbor. <laughs> and then right. if you're listening to this podcast down the road and that program has spent all its, its allocated funds, uh, you're back to hoping for the, the rich neighbor. But for now, that is exactly what the, the Housing Assistance Fund is designed to do, is to get people who had a COVID hardship totally back on their feet. And if you 
owe less than $20,000 to bring your loan back to current, you wouldn't have to have a change of interest rate. It would just literally be as if someone came in and, and caught up all your missed payments without changing your loan terms. Um, but yes, West Virginia law provides that you have the right to reinstate your mortgage loan generally up to five days before a foreclosure sale. So if you are able to catch up those missed payments, you can do that and stay in your home. You will, um, the process in West Virginia for a foreclosure is the first thing the mortgage company has to do is give you a notice of default and right to cure. And so that says you're $8,000 behind or, or $1,000 behind, whatever it might be. They could send that as soon as missing one payment. Most mortgage companies are going to tend to give longer than that, uh, but they could do it as soon as, you know, a month you miss one month, you're, you're in default on your loan. So they say you're in default, you have 30 days to catch up how far behind you are. And so that's your right to cure. And that comes from your mortgage company uh, and gives you that 30 day period. If you hit day 30 and you've been unable to catch up your missed payments, um, the mortgage company, then the next step would be to refer it to what's called a trustee in West Virginia. So some states, in order for a mortgage company to foreclose, they actually have to go to court and let it, a judge has to say it's time to foreclose. You have permission to foreclose. They have the burden to come forward. The mortgage company does. Uh, but in West Virginia, we have what's called non-judicial foreclosure. So it just happens through a trustee who is a lawyer who looks at the loan document and says, okay, here's the payment history. They're this far behind. Here's the lien on the home. We're going to proceed to, you've probably heard sale on the, the courthouse steps. So these are our public sales held on the, the county courthouse steps. So that foreclosure trustee, who's usually a lawyer again, uh, will send a notice of sale to the homeowner. That has to come by certified mail 20 days before the sale. So that's the notice that a homeowner would get. And your mortgage company might take several months to say, here's your notice of right to cure at the 30th day, you know, they don't on day 31, go hire a lawyer. There's often more process. So sometimes homeowners are kind of in a process for a long time where they think their mortgage company is still working with them. And then they get this notice from a, a trustee and it just gives you 20 days. Then you're in the sale period. And that's when it's, it's sort of really happening. So um, if you get that notice again, it'll be, it has to go out certified mail from the trustee and it has to be published in the newspaper. So that's another way a lot of folks, you know, you have the neighbors who read all that fine. We talked about the legal, the legalese and the small print. We do have neighbors who read those uh -huh. parts of the paper and, and usually we're glad for it because they'll say, did you know your home's in foreclosure? And, and a person might not have known because they thought their mortgage company was still working with them. So uh, once you get that notice or you see it in the paper, uh, you have 20 days. And if you do nothing, that foreclosure sale will happen on the county courthouse steps. And in the vast majority of cases, it's the mortgage company who just buys back the, the home. So it's sort of a, a paper transaction, right? They just take ownership of the home. Sometimes, you know, there'll be a, an investor who might come in and, and buy the property. You know, they know that your home might be in a valuable area or um, the, the price that the mortgage company set because maybe you've paid down the balance and they just want to get their balance back, but you actually had equity in the home. Maybe a, a third party would come in and buy the home. Um, but if the mortgage company buys it back, there's often even additional delay. You don't have to just move out on the day of the sale. Uh, they'll, they'll maybe continue to work with you or give you time. Uh, and if you don't vacate the property, they actually, the mortgage company, the new owner, since they bought the property, has to go to magistrate court and file what's essentially an eviction, but it's, it's called an unlawful detainer because it's, you're a homeowner instead of a renter. Uh, and you'll actually get served with those papers by the county sheriff, by the, the process server. So you actually have to get personal service. Somebody will hand you a notice that says you're being called into magistrate court. Um, and then you have five days to respond to that 
magistrate court paper. If you respond, you'll get a hearing set in front of a magistrate and the magistrate then can say, you've got X number of days to, to vacate this home. But if you get a magistrate court order that says you've got to get out of the property, that deadline, if you don't meet that deadline, that's when you can see a sheriff come in and actually change the locks or forcibly evict someone. So a lot of folks think once you get that foreclosure sale notice, they have to just start packing or they're going to expect the locks to get changed or come home and have different locks on the house. And and that's not true. It's got to go all the way through that court process. So let's talk about that sale. You noted sometimes an investor may show up, right? Because uh, if you if one other person shows up and bids what the mortgage company is asking, which is the amount that they're owed, then, then you're probably going to sell it for that amount um, to, to a third party. Now, in essence, the place sold and you lost all your equity that was in the house. Do you have, do you have any rights to go back and get that equity or is, or is it just a done deal? Yep. If the trustee would sell your home, let's do even numbers because math on the fly is never a good thing. But if the if you owe $60,000 on your mortgage and the trustee comes in on the courthouse steps and sells it to house flipper for $100,000, the $100,000 first goes to pay off that $60,000 mortgage. And then a few thousand dollars would go to the trustee for their expenses of having published the the newspaper listing, having sent the certified mail, having their time for the sale, and then the balance would go back to you as the homeowner. So you you do have a chance to get that equity. Um, I would say in most cases, uh, in most parts of West Virginia, folks don't have a lot of equity or there aren't a lot of investors willing to buy for much more than what's owed. So we don't see a lot of checks going back to homeowners after foreclosure, but legally, yes, if there would be a surplus is what it's called after the sale, the homeowner is entitled to receive that surplus. So if you're behind on your mortgage, can you list your home with a realtor um, before the foreclosure process happens? Yep. If you think you can sell it on the open market for what you owe, you absolutely have the right to do that and and just get enough from the sale to pay off the mortgage company. And then you could retain any anything else extra after that. If you think you could sell it, but you could sell it for less than what you owe. So we'll go back to that $60,000. You owe $60,000. You think your home is probably only worth 50 or you have a neighbor who would buy it for 50 or you know somebody who would buy it for 50. The mortgage company could agree to accept less than what's owed. And that would be called a short sale. And the benefit to you of doing that is that it wouldn't have to go through foreclosure. So you would avoid having a foreclosure on your credit you would have the mortgage company agreeing that $50,000 was sufficient to satisfy your debt. So they wouldn't be able to come after you for that difference that was owed. Um, And it's in the mortgage company's interest because they don't have to hire the trustee and go through the costs of foreclosure and potentially eviction. So um, that's a a good choice for people who are, you know, willing and and able to, to list the home for sale. Now, can you just deed the home over to the bank? That is also an option. That's called a deed in lieu of foreclosure. And lieu means an exchange of. So we would just give the the bank a deed instead of letting them go to foreclosure. Um, Again, the benefit to the bank is they don't have to incur the expenses of going through with a foreclosure sale and potential eviction. The benefit to the homeowner is that you would avoid having that foreclosure on your credit. And sometimes the bank will expressly agree that by doing that deed, you're not going to have to owe the remaining balance. That would be a benefit. doesn't always get included in the deed in lieu of foreclosure, but that's something you can try to ask for. Um, because if, you know, on the flip side, again, we talked about that 60000 if it only sells for forty five or or 50000 but you owed sixty, you are still legally responsible for that difference of ten dollars or $15,000. Um, it's not very common for a mortgage company to come in and sue a homeowner for 
that difference, which is called the deficiency, if it's sold, the home sold for less than what you owe, but they could legally, the, the company has the right to do that. And so um, again, if that happens, you can go back to the same kind of scenarios we talked about, you know, early in the, the podcast where uh, you could uh, file bankruptcy to get rid of that judgment, offer a payment plan, you know, you could have those same options to deal with what is then an unsecured debt. It's that balance that you still owe, uh, but you've already lost the home. But if you can negotiate a short sale or a deed in lieu of foreclosure, um, that can help you just say, look, even if there is a deficiency, you're not going to come after me for it because we've kind of dealt with this in advance. Now, Sarah, when you talked about the foreclosure sale that happens at the courthouse steps, and as you noted, oftentimes the bank is the one that they're often the only bidder, right? They're the only one that shows up. They show up by their trustee who stands there in the cold and says, I sell the, I open the bids. Nobody really bids. All right, we'll close the bids and we're done. And now the bank buys this home. What, what does the bank do with it? Banks don't like owning homes, do they? No, they don't. So, and it will take some time, but eventually once the bank would, um, would evict the homeowner, they do try to resell it through a local realtor. Um, it's called real estate owned. Uh, but, you know, folks who are listening may know that there are empty, vacant properties in their communities where banks have bought homes or, or foreclosed on homes and not been able to turn them around. So uh, it's frustrating for a homeowner who says, I was willing to pay. I wanted to pay to keep my home. Instead, they foreclosed and the place is sitting empty. You know, it's it's um it's unfortunate. You know, a lot of the the it's not even really people making decisions, right? It's not one, you know, person at this US bank who's actually thinking about this home in, you know, Boone County. Uh it's just the machinery of it all, right? And so it it is unfortunate. It's not um, you know, a system that's necessarily set up to make what are smart decisions when you look at them on an individual basis. So when the bank turns around and resells that, there's a possibility that they would sell it for exactly what's owed on the mortgage, in essence, what the debt is. But it's more likely it will be either more or less than what that exact number is. What happens in those situations? Well, what we do is actually when you're determining the deficiency or surplus, you look at the sale price from the foreclosure sale, not when the bank turns around and sells it to a third party down the line. So uh, the bank will set a price at foreclosure and, and pay it. I mean, even if they're not writing themselves a check, there'll be a deed recorded that says the trustee of the foreclosure sale is selling it back to US Bank or Bank of America or SPS Mortgage. Um, and the price that's on that deed is what would be considered for whether there's a deficiency or a surplus. Even if the bank turns around later and makes money on it, that's not yours. Or if the bank loses money on it, they can't come after you if on paper they paid for what was owed. That's good news in some settings, certainly if they end up selling it on the open market, which is more likely as a vacant foreclosed on house. Because, as you know, uh, when the realtor publishes that this is owned by a bank, people that are buying houses that are owned by banks do not offer what they might offer someone who owns the house outright um, for a number of reasons. I think one of the biggest ones of those, right, is that there's well, let me just ask you, what warranties then will the bank offer whenever they sell these properties? Or are they just selling them basically as is? There may be problems and that's your problem and not ours. Right. The bank will often sell it as is because they, they haven't lived in it. They don't know what the issues with the home may be. If the home is that vacant, all the bank has gone through a lot of process to be able to sell it. You know, the home may have fallen into some level of further disrepair. Uh, so those will usually be as is type homes. That's right. So let's say I have a mortgage and I take out a home equity line of credit or some secondary mortgage that's below the primary mortgage. What what happens in those situations if I fall behind on the secondary mortgage, but I'm current on the on the primary mortgage? 
your rights as a as a borrower may be a little bit different in terms of what options for a loan modification or repayment plan might be, but the foreclosure process would be the same. So if you default on that second mortgage or home equity line of credit, you do still have the right to catch it up. You're going to get a notice of default. You'll get a notice of foreclosure sale from a trustee. Uh, all that process would be the same. The, the only difference would be whatever proceeds arise from the foreclosure sale first have to go to pay off your first mortgage and then would go to pay off your, your second mortgage. So a lot of uh, banks or mortgage companies or owners or investors of second mortgages won't rush to foreclose because they know that if the, only, if the home equity is all taken up by that first mortgage, they're not going to really gain anything from foreclosing. They'll have to pay it all to the first mortgage company. And then you would still run the risk of a potential deficiency balance in that situation as well. That's right. So, Sarah, we talked about the foreclosure process and how the banks are going to go through that. What rights do you have as the person who owes the money in this foreclosure process? So if you have got one of those notices of foreclosure sale that says we're going to sell it on the courthouse steps in 20 days and, and you think, I thought they were still working with me. I want to pay. I can't pay the whole amount, but I, I still want to keep my home. I thought they were working with me or, or I want to see what my options are. You do have uh, the ability to, to stop a foreclosure sale, but because in West Virginia, again, the trustee is the one doing the sale, not a court system. The homeowner has to be the one to go into court. And so our office represents homeowners in what are called affirmative cases. The homeowner is the plaintiff, the, the person bringing the lawsuit. But we will and do file suits to stop foreclosure sales and say, look, this person was on a COVID forbearance or had an unemployment situation. And then they submitted an application for a loan modification and the mortgage company was working with them or didn't properly consider that application before starting foreclosure. So uh, the homeowner can bring those type of affirmative cases and that will stop a foreclosure sale um, while the court considers whether the, the bank or the mortgage company did what it should have before proceeding to foreclosure. Are those kind of cases fee shifting cases so that you could have an attorney to assist you with that process or, you know, the old adage, right? If I had $2,000, I'd make my mortgage current instead of paying an attorney. Those type of claims are fee shifting claims. And so they arise from those same debt collection claims that we talked about. So the mortgage companies, just like other creditors, can't lie to you. So if the mortgage company has said you're entitled to a modification, just send in this information or make these payments or don't make these payments. You know, if they have misrepresented the status of your account in any way or lied to you in any way or misled you in any way um, or done anything that we think is considered an unfair debt collection practice, those can be fee shifting claims. So, you know, we talked about a homeowner who has fallen behind, has certain you know choices for repayment plans or loan modifications. Um, the homeowner submits usually an application with supporting income information. So your social security award letter, your bank statements, maybe a tax return, an explanation of your hardship. The mortgage company is supposed to, within 30 days of having a complete application, give you an answer about whether you qualify or not, and then you have a chance to appeal. But what we see in most cases, unfortunately, is the, the mortgage company will give you a runaround and say, that wasn't a complete clear copy. Can you send us another one? Or we didn't get your paycheck stub. Or, oh, now three weeks have gone by and you probably got paid again. We need a new paycheck stub. And so this process really gets drug out. And in the course of that process, um, you know, often the, the consumer protection laws are violated by the mortgage company. And so those are the kind of claims we can bring to, to stop a foreclosure sale. 
Can the bank do both of those things at the same time, or do they have to wait till they process the modification before they begin the foreclosure, or can they begin a parallel path, if you will? Mortgage companies are not allowed to proceed with foreclosure unless they have finished reviewing a loan for a loan modification, assuming you've indicated your interest. If the homeowner, that's why I say, you know, you've got to participate in the process, but if the homeowner has submitted an application, turned in income information, the mortgage company has to review that and get all the way to the approval or denial stage before going and hiring that trustee who's going to start the foreclosure process. Um, mortgage companies often violate that and do what's called dual tracking. They put you on two tracks at the same time. It's supposed to be a one one track. You get, you get considered for your loan modification. And if that doesn't go through, you might then face foreclosure. You're supposed to get complete review for all assistance options. And if those are unavailable, then go into a, a foreclosure process. So if the bank is looking at the modification, are they looking at that as though you were a brand new borrower coming in and what your credit score might be at that time? Or what other factors are they required to review? The mortgage company is not looking at you as a brand new applicant and credit is not considered, which is really helpful. So you're, it's, it's not the same as saying, you know, I've got a mortgage company with SLS and now I'm going to go to my local bank and apply. Your local bank might not give you a loan or a new company. You, you've been in default. You've been behind for a few months. Your credit may not be great. Uh, but the mortgage company isn't considering that when they're considering a loan modification. They're just considering whether you have a financial hardship that qualifies and then sufficient income to get back on track. It's all related to the amount of the mortgage arrearage, which is what it's called, the amount you're behind, uh, versus your, your mortgage payment and uh, your other available income to make a payment. So it's, it's not going to look at your credit, which is a benefit to people. It's an understanding that, you know, you got behind, your credit's not going to be great, but we'll, we'll, we're still trying to see if you can afford to make the debt that, make payments on the debt that you owe. What kind of closing costs are there on these modifications? You know, when you buy a house, you're going to have closing costs. You're going to have to have an appraisal. You're going to have all these title insurances and all these things. Are there closing costs when you do a modification? Nope. Because they are modifying your existing loan, there's not going to be a new loan closing. You don't have to have a, you know, a visit to a lawyer's office. There's no new um, appraisal that's conducted. So again, your home value doesn't matter either. If your home has, you know, either fallen into disrepair or you don't have the same value that you did at the start, uh, that wouldn't prevent you from getting a modification if you otherwise qualify. They're really looking at your hardship, your available income, uh, and the debts that you owe to make sure you can afford a modified payment. Uh, one thing I've heard about is this PMI, this private mortgage insurance, which if you don't put down a certain down payment, the bank may um, may require that you pay that on a monthly basis. What impact does that have if you find yourself in a foreclosure situation? So, um, unfortunately, the private mortgage insurance mostly protects the mortgage company. Um, if you are foreclosed upon and, and uh, the foreclosure doesn't bring in sufficient money to make the bank whole, the insurance company makes the bank whole. It's not going to help the homeowner very much. And you've paid those premiums. Uh, I will say in uh, mortgages that are backed by um, FHA, uh, which is a federal program, the homeowner does pay in a premium each month. And then you do get additional protections as well. So the homeowner there, you're, you get greater protections for those type of loan modification options. The mortgage company has additional obligation to consider those options before foreclosure, uh, before tapping into to that insurance program. Does that help with the deficiency balance, though, if the if the property is ultimately sold for less than than is owed? Does that that PMI insurance protect the borrower from being subject to an extra deficiency balance? 
That's a great point. I assume that's right. If the mortgage company is made whole, there wouldn't be a deficiency, but I actually have not seen that come up. <laughs> Tell, telling me that uh, that, uh, the, that nobody cares about the borrowers in those situations. <laughs> right. Everybody cares right. about that's making right. the bank whole, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, the question the... about insurance did make me think that another kind of category of issues is with escrow accounts. And so when you're paying on a mortgage loan, um, a lot of folks have what are called escrow accounts where you pay a little bit extra each month and the mortgage company holds it and then uses that money to pay your annual property taxes and your annual insurance premium uh, because a mortgage company will require that taxes are paid and the home has insurance in order to protect the, the home from any damage, protect its interest. Uh, and so that's another area where there can be potential claims. And so if you see your payment rising and you don't understand why or you always had insurance through your local you know, state farm agent and then it's canceled and, and you see the mortgage company putting its own insurance policy in place. You know, Those are areas where you do have rights and protections and, and you may wanna to talk to a lawyer about that. When the mortgage company puts in place those policies, do they protect the borrower and the entirety of their interest like a homeowner's policy will? Or do they just protect the, the balance that's owed quite frankly? They only protect the balance that's owed. So it helps in the sense that it wouldn't leave you with a deficiency type judgment if, if you lost your home to fire, for example, but it does not protect your contents in the same way that a, a policy that you would go out yourself and obtain uh, would cover. So we always recommend folks, you know, shop their insurance for the best available rates, but, but do get your own policy because it will give you greater coverage and is usually less expensive than a policy that the mortgage company itself would put on, on your property. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate this. I think it's a lot of really good information. Thank you for the work that Mountain State Justice does as well. I know it's a pleasure for us to work together, and it's not uncommon for us to refer cases to each other. So I appreciate your work, and I appreciate your organization. Well, thanks for your partnership, and I'm glad you're getting this message out there. It was great to talk with you. More information about Mountain State Justice is available at mountainstatejustice.org. You can also find more information about this topic at our website, legalaidofwestvirginia.org. Thanks for joining us for this presentation of What's the Law Say? A presentation of Legal Aid of West Virginia.